Ah, the G-Center. I have been really struggling with the G-Center lately. Mine is completely open. I have no gates to find in my G-Center, and it is one of the strongest areas of conditioning, social conditioning, feeling like I have to be like other people who probably have it defined feeling like I have to have an identity and a fixed life direction, feeling like I'm supposed to be someone and I still haven't figured it out at 36 years old. I've tried lots of things. It's a very common thing for people with undefined G-centers or open G-centers to have lots of different certifications have gone through many trainings, have gone through many degrees, getting a healthcare degree and then getting a technical degree and then getting a humanities degree, you know, being social chameleons, adapting to our physical environment, both the people, but also the physical environment. You know, is it busy and bustling where you live, in your home, where you work? your work culture, or is it very quiet? Is it slow moving? Is it calm? Is it big? Is it small? What kind of personalities and culture are you exposed to every day? Oftentimes people with undefined or open G centers tend to mimic the social uh, and even physical behaviors of others. I remember traveling to Turkey, to Istanbul, for my tennis teammate's wedding. And everyone around me was so expressive with their frustration, with their anger, with their passion, with their joy, with their love. I mean, oh my goodness, the way that they expressed love to one another was just so inspiring and deeply moving for me. And I'm not someone who necessarily talks a lot through my hands or through all of my facial expressions or through my body movements. But there I started to pick that up and I started to even pick up the Turkish accent of people speaking English. Um, That tends to happen to me when I travel. (laughs) I tend to pick up the accents, which means I'm also fairly good at picking up the intonations and accents when I'm learning new languages and new words and other languages as well. You know, there's beauty to the undefined G-Center. There's, there's a blessing in it, and I'll get to that. But I wanted to share some really real-life examples of how bad the conditioning can get. And if that can serve as a learning point for you or give you aha moments for your own journey or for that of your family members, friends or coworkers, um, then that would mean that this was meaningful for people and impactful. And please let me know if that's the case, because that's a big gift for me as a manifester. But yes, with my Open G-Center Each time I quit a career and move into a new one, or I'm in between careers, I always have a bit of a crisis. 
it feels like a midlife crisis where I feel like, did I just waste the last however many years in that career? It felt wrong, and that's why I left. This isn't who I am. I'm so much more than this. Um, what is the thing? What is my thing? What is my identity? Who am I supposed to be in this lifetime? Am I supposed to be a journalist? Am I supposed to be a writer? Am I supposed to be an actress? Am I supposed to be a singer? Am I supposed to be a thought leader? Am I supposed to be an athlete? Am I supposed to be a teacher? Like the list goes on. And the truth is that I am capable of being all of these things all at the same time because that is who I am. (laughs) I am everything. That was a mantra that I have been using over the last weekend, really, really meditating on this. I kept saying to myself, I am everything and I am everyone. And I kept repeating it to really let it sink into my mind, you know, to really, really understand that deeply in my body. And at first, I don't, I don't think I really understood it. And then today, I had repeated it to myself, and I realized I'm actually just terrified of that fact. It feels too expansive, which is ironic because my brand name is Expansive Evolution. But it feels too vast. You know, I I can only imagine that this is a feeling of skydiving or of being in an ocean that feels like it's never going to have an edge, you know, in a tiny boat. It just feels too big, too expansive, and I don't know if I can handle it. I'm scared if I can't handle it. But... I think what I'm starting to realize too is that it's not necessarily that I am everything and everyone and that that physically and literally manifests itself in every moment, but that I have the capacity to have a journey where I sample. I sample a little bit of this identity for these few years or these few months, and then I sample a different one, and then I sample a different one. And this river of life that I'm on takes me into different directions. A river doesn't always flow east or west or north or south. A river oftentimes has curves in it. Sure, it follows gravity, but it can have bends. It can have unexpected turns. And that is what I have to accept about my life. That it won't be fixed that it doesn't only go in one direction forever, especially being a manifester also, that where, you know, I'm not a generator that that has a life skill or a life niche looking for mastery in one thing. I will, by nature as a manifester, pick up something, create it, birth it, initiate it, and then I'm probably going to initiate a completely different thing next. I have to be open to that. I have to know that when that happens, that that is okay. And so, you know, the questions that 
I have been taught with my human design studies and from my teachers around what the not-self questions are of the undefined G-Center, for some reason, I didn't actually resonate with them because they weren't the exact words that my not-self mind was speaking to me in. And so from the book, The Definitive Book of Human Design, the not-self questions of the undefined G-Center are, who am I? Where should I go to find out who I am? Who can show me? Who am I going to love? Who is going to love me? How do I find them? Where can I find them? What am I going to do with my life? Where should I go to figure out what to do with my life? Is it there? Is it here? Where is it? Do I feel lost? Let's go here because we might find something that will show me who I am or what to do with my life. Let's have a relationship with this person because I will get a sense of who I am. And so I don't think I've ever asked any of these questions to myself. My version and my personal experience with my Open G Center has forced me to ask, well, has not forced me, but has just naturally, organically asked me, I feel so lost. What am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to be? How do I receive love? How do I make sure I get love? What's my destiny? How am I supposed to make impact in this world? You know, earlier in my life, in my early 20s, I was involved in two abusive relationships back-to-back with two different people um, during college, physically, sexually, emotionally, psychologically abusive. And I survived them. I have done a lot of healing work from those experiences. And I realized that if not both, but definitely one of them, I was so desperate for love. I was so desperate. I was looking for anyone to love me, especially from a man. And it feels cringy to say that out loud, but it's the truth, and I have to accept that about myself. You know, the, the ego voice in me is like, ew, you're one of those people. How sad. And it is sad. (laughs) You know, of course, I can get into a whole background of why I believe I ended up so desperate for love, but we'll save that for another episode. But I just didn't realize that that was related to my Open G Center. That I was searching, 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 searching. And it again ties in with being a manifester. You know, the manifester is so afraid of rejection that it becomes a people pleaser. Many manifestors are people pleasers. And so that combination led me to some very unhealthy, manipulative men who took advantage of that aspect of me. And... I believe they had defined G-centers. I don't actually know, but I don't know their birth times. But I think that there is an element where I really gave up not only, you know, whatever form of love they were giving me, 
that they convinced me was a good, healthy love, or that they convinced me that they were the only ones who could love me because otherwise I'm not lovable. But that I really adopted their identities as well. I adopted how they socialized, how they spoke, what they were into, you know, their interests, their passions. And there was a sense of manipulation to say that I wasn't allowed to have other interests or passions, particularly from one more than the other individual. And when I read in the definitive book of human design that open G-centers can actually be quite manipulated easily, that hurt, that hurt, that hurt to read that. But in a way, it was it was very revealing, and I'm grateful to have found human design because it supports me in furthering my healing, in further understanding my history, why things happened, why I ended up in the certain situations that I ended up in, why I still have the struggles that I have right now at 36 years old. They say that naturally, people with undefined centers are attracted to people who have that center defined, you know, opposites attract. And I do believe that that's what was happening in those relationships that I had. There's a quote from this book that says, if the relationship continues while ignorant of the differences, the defined partner will impose themselves, their identity, and their direction without realizing what is happening. And while I do appreciate that there is lots of unconscious behavior happening between two people, no matter what their relationship is, my particular experience with those two relationships was that it was very much both unconscious and conscious. It was unintentional and intentional. You know, these are dynamics that in their extreme forms lead to emotional abuse. You know, I think it's it's an interesting way to understand human design through extreme human behavior because it just makes it so much easier to understand, I think, at least for me. I do have the gate of shock, so I definitely have gone through many shocking experiences in my life and you will hear about them throughout these episodes but I've been able to really understand human design through hearing about and learning about and filtering these this information through my shocking experiences you know so this journey of mine in terms of my career has been When I was entering into university, I had no idea really what I wanted to be. But at that time, I was really good at psychology, anthropology, and sociology. There was a class that I took in high school, and I loved it, and I aced everything. It was just so easy for me to breeze through. Um, My mind was just naturally wired for those subjects. And thank goodness for that course, because I finally found something that I actually was naturally good at. 
And so I decided I would study anthropology in undergrad. So I studied cultural anthropology. I then, I think in my third year, had the option to take some more advanced academic classes. And I took a minor in philosophy um, with these advanced classes. And again, same experience where I felt like it was just so easy. It was I was picking it up so easily. And my professors were impressed with me. And I always knew my parents would be worried because they didn't see the financial viability of me getting a degree in anthropology and philosophy other than becoming a professor. But I always knew I didn't want to be a professor. <laughs> so I knew that I liked those subjects, but I knew I didn't want to be a professor. So I thought maybe I'll discover a way to apply this knowledge somewhere, somehow. And then I had graduated under the recession, the 2009 recession. And at the time, it was really hard to find work where I lived. And I decided to leave North America, the comforts of North America, or at least the familiarity of North America, and um, took my father's advice to go to South Korea to teach English in an elementary school. And I'm realizing in this moment as I'm telling this story that, you know, the they say or they teach that the undefined G-Center will gain senses of direction or opportunities to sample different directions from other people, right? Um, it comes from our exposure to other people's advice and guidance. And this was a wonderful example of that. You know, my father said, why don't you go abroad, go to Asia and teach English. Now, originally I wanted to go to Japan because that's where my lineage comes from. Um, I'm the first person in my family born outside of Japan. But Japan was also not very much hiring at the time, but South Korea was. So I decided to travel to South Korea, taught English to elementary school children. Um, part of this abuse story that I had with that uh, with one of those relationships actually extended from New York into South Korea. And that was quite the experience. I have a lot to say about that story. But, you know, I guess in a way, understanding anthropology and psychology helped me to be a teacher you know, to understand how the mind works, to understand how people understand cultures. And at the time, this was 2009 to 2011, the textbooks in the public education system in South Korea had some really, really outdated stuff about North Americans and indigenous peoples of North America and of many other cultures around the world. It was really quite um, pretty appalling, I guess I could say. And, you know, I mean, from my cultural anthropology perspective, I decided to change what I was teaching from the textbooks. Because how could I? I could not in my right mind teach what they were teaching in these textbooks. So I had to say, you know, this is not the right way to look at these people. These people are people who have a beautiful lineage, who have lots of cultural history, lots of contributions um, to the world. And 
they don't all do this. They don't all act like this or look like this. I mean, even the pictures in the textbooks were just so, so stereotypical. It was really bad. Um, so in a way, I think that helped. <laughs> Who knew? I didn't think I would be an English teacher, but I was. And then I came back to my home in Canada and still could not really find work was really broken, again had a crisis with my Open G Center, not knowing where I would go, what I was supposed to do. I knew that I liked culture, politics, society, healing, um, you know, anything around sociology and how people work. And, but I couldn't figure out what I was supposed to do with it. What was I supposed to do with these interests, with these passions, with these um, particular orientations that I had? And then again, I got a job opportunity from a friend who I went to high school with to join a, a team that was running a hip hop festival in Toronto. And it was, you know, all hip hop arts, graffiti arts, uh, visual arts, um, break dancing, obviously the music. Um, we even went into food. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful experience. I grew so much from that experience. Um, and again, you know, dealing with culture, dealing with how hip hop culture had changed the world. Um, what the history was of hip hop, where it comes from, you know, the story of struggle, the story of black people in America, the story of um, the remnants of racism, the remnants of systemic oppression that were still alive, but in new mu mutations, um, and very much still impacting the life or death of black people around the world, and then of extended around the world to people of color, especially the darker your skin was or is. And again, yeah, I guess I used the anthropology to support that work. I learned a lot of skills around event planning and around nonprofit management and arts administration, um, especially around social justice theory and networking and all sorts of stuff. And so then that only lasted for a year and a half. And I then got another opportunity from someone who I met from the hip hop festival that said, I want you to um, consider applying to my nonprofit and take over my, my role. So she was leading this nonprofit. It was a grassroots community organization. And I'm realizing as I speak these stories out that all these opportunities actually came from other people. Um, which just goes to show you that the Open G Center does receive uh, opportunities to sample careers from other people. So then I ended up getting that job and I was able to lead um, this community grassroots organization, which was really a network or a community. Um, at some point, we had 60 small initiatives, uh, small to medium sized initiatives as part of our network across the city of youth leading youth. And it was a beautiful, 
beautiful, beautiful time, but also a really challenging time for me personally, still going through my healing and not really recognizing that I was traumatized at this point from those two relationships and from, you know, earlier childhood stuff. But I was still desperate for love, looking for love and acceptance through my work. And that's when it really started to show its face. Um, you know, overworking myself again with the undefined sacral. Sorry, my defined Ajna just like connects all these things. So I'm speaking them out, but I have an undefined sacral as a manifester. So the undefined sacral doesn't know when enough is enough. And so combining that with this desire for love, I mean, you can see, you know, there's a certain level of commitment and desperation and never ending um, work to try and achieve love, achieve respect, achieve admiration. It's very hard for me to publicly um, say this, but it is true. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I can see how that Open G Center was really still very deeply conditioned throughout that part of my career. So I worked in that for three and a half years, And then I decided to go back to school, started a master's degree, um, also was exposed to that from someone. So this particular master's degree focused on innovation and strategic foresight as a field of study and as a, you know, industry or it's a community of practice, I suppose. And I was deeply disappointed by the program. Um... I was really challenged by how secondary education was running in this day and age. I don't know. There was something about it that I just really did not jive with, with just the program, the assignments, um, citations, just how everything was running. I, you know, had also had so much experience already that was practically applied and then to be relearning all the theory of it just felt like I was wasting my time. So I dropped out of that after the first term. Again, crisis of the Open G Center, didn't know what to do next. And (laughs) I think I must have gotten some job for a little while. Um, What happened next? Ah, yes. Then a classmate of mine from that program sent me a job and said, I think you'd be really good for this. And it was an innovation job, um, you know, working for a public sector organization um, uh, in the innovation department. And I had never, ever considered that I would really work for a public sector organization, a government organization. Um, I didn't really see myself as a true true and true innovation person, even though I had been in and around innovation for many years now, um, and even using, you know, approaches like design thinking um, and human-centered design in my services and programs in the community work that I was doing. But um, I don't know, I needed a job, so I went for it and I ended up getting it. (laughs) I really did not think I would get it, but I ended up getting it. And again, I just feel like, yeah, there's there's a certain level of surrender that the Open G Center needs to um, give in the sense that 
you're not the one in control of where you go um, or what's right for you. You don't know what the right direction is for you. You don't know what the right role or title is for you. You're going to be sampling that, trying things out, getting recommendations, getting opportunities from others, getting advice from others, and then seeing, finding out. You know, that is the experience of the Undefined G-Center. And so I find myself in this job. I ended up being there for, I think, five years or five and a half years or so. I moved up in the ranks. You know, I went from coordinator to manager. Um, There was a lot of things I hated about that role, a lot of things I loved about that role. I did gain some new skills in management. Um, I had a team of four staff. And then it started feeling wrong, you know, which I think is very much, you know, I have a splenic authority. And so it started to feel unhealthy. It started to feel wrong. It started to feel off. Um, And I think in some ways it did from the beginning, but I wanted to ride the wave or try, you know, try to stay on this train for a little bit to gain new skills at least. I ended up staying there a lot longer than I had planned, but that's when I started to discover human design over the pandemic. And I loved it. I felt so seen by it. Oh, seen in ways that I didn't even know consciously I needed to be seen things that I didn't even know about myself that actually were true, that weren't totally in my consciousness, but were just just at the edge there, just at the threshold between my unconscious or subconscious into my consciousness, that I thought, oh my goodness, this thing really knows some things about me and about how I operate in this world. So then I started taking courses and I've taken three courses from three different teachers now. I'm actually just about to start a fourth course. But um, then I decided to quit that job with the public sector organization and become a human design reader. And (laughs) this recent crisis of my Open G Center was that I started to feel limited. I started to feel really limited by only being a human design reader or analyst or coach or advisor, whatever word you want to use. You know, open G centers don't like labels. Um, and yet we want labels. It's like the most ironic thing, actually, if you think about it. Um, there's a running joke that undefined G centers hate having to write bios. So if every time I've ever had to g- deliver a workshop or speak on a panel, Uh, or give a presentation, and they always ask for your headshot and your bio, I, I hate having to write a bio because it feels so restrictive and so confining. Um, It's yeah, I don't enjoy that experience um, at all, because it just can't encompass all that I am. Anyways, (laughs) so I started to feel really constrained by this whole human design analyst kind of role. And I started to teach a program for systems changers because that's definitely a fundamental part of me. One aspect, but an important aspect of me is being a social change maker, a systems change maker, 
And so I decided to start teaching human design to some individuals that I knew who were involved in systems change. Um, two of them are futurists, and one of them uh, used to run a charity and is, I think, perpetually a change maker in and of himself. But the the experience of teaching these individuals taught me that I am so much more than a human design analyst or teacher um, or reader, whatever the word is. And I also felt too constrained if I were to only choose being a system changer. Um, you know, any role that I think of feels too constraining, really. Um, it just does. Um, but I now know, you know, over the last week of contemplating this, that time and place, there's different times and different places for different roles. Um, I appreciate that I have been a grassroots organizer before. I appreciate that I have been a manager of innovation for a department in the public sector. I appreciate that I have been um, an arts administrator. I appreciate that I have been a youth mentor. I appreciate that I have been a tennis coach. I appreciate that I have been a uh, facilitator for meaningful group conversations in communities and teams, you know, I appreciate all of these experiences and maybe they each have their seasons and that's okay. That is okay. That is allowed. That is aligned. In fact, <laughs> that is right for me. And then perhaps there are seasons where they repeat themselves and maybe there are seasons that don't repeat themselves and that also is okay. You know, sometimes I still have fantasies that I will uh, create an album. You know, I, I've been singing since I was six years old, or pro actually probably younger than that, three years old. And I dream of actually writing and recording an album and putting it out there just to say I did it. You know, a part of me actually wants to do that still. And so artist, athlete, change maker, thinker, writer, creator, healer, you know, I do identify with all those things, but I think the biggest load off of my shoulders is knowing that I am not going to be the one <laughs> to figure out, especially using my G-Center or my mind and my intellect and logic that will figure out what my life direction is or how to be loved, how to be lovable, how to find love, you know? It's a fluid experience. It's a crazy wild journey. That's what it is. It's ever changing. And it's going to be prompted by others. And I need to open myself up to that. And I think the core wound of me feeling so manipulated by my exes that I really blocked myself off from ever being manipulated again. You know, anytime there was a, there was a certain point, I think for like probably at least eight years in my twenties and into my early thirties that if anyone were to give me life advice, I would immediately block them out It because it felt too familiar to manipulation. And it was a knee jerk reaction to protect myself because I know how, um, easily manipulated I was, you know, 
that this is the right way you're supposed to live life. Well, if you've done this thus far, then you should go in that direction. You know, all these things that I should do next. I I would be um, excellent if I did this. You know, you would be really good at this. All sorts of life advice that I've received, I immediately would block it. I would shut down any conversation where it started to get there. And so I was blocking off the very sources, which were other people, of figuring out what to do next. And yet my not-self voice of my Open G Center were constantly asking, what am I supposed to do next? Who am I supposed to be? You know, as a manifester, I wanted to be someone who made impact. I wanted to be someone who was special. And <laughs> I was actually watching a show yesterday. It's called uh, Night Sky. It's on Amazon Prime. And I love it. It's so good. Um, I, there, there were some cheesy parts, but anyway, overall, it was good. And um, there's a part where one character is a husband who is deeply insecure and clearly just wants to be loved and liked by neighbors and by the, you know, by people in general and is, and has had to move cities, uproot their whole family in order to find new people because he just kept screwing it up because he was so desperate. And at some point in the show, his wife looks at him and just says, why can't you just be you? Why do you have to be special? And that struck me so deeply. Oh boy, that struck me really deeply. It it moves me even in this moment. Um, because I think it that's that's my own personal journey. Why do I have to be special? Why do I have to be someone? Why can't I just be me? And then the whole spiral of, well, who is me? Who am I? Who am I supposed to be? What's my destiny? You know, all of that shows up. So I'm in a season of really learning to surrender, you know, um, and opening up to other people again, opening up to other people's suggestions of my life direction, my my next life chapter. I've had many chapters already and I'm excited for new chapters and I'm excited to let people in to ignite the fire for whatever new chapters it is. I think this might be actually why I love going to conferences. I love going to conferences. It just always it brings some fire to me, even when I'm like absolutely disappointed or angry about a conference and what the speakers were saying. It still ignites a fire in me and ignites a certain life direction, you know, whether that's like, I'm going to write a blog post, or I'm going to make a podcast, or I'm going to, I don't know, whatever it may be. But yeah, the season of surrendering, if you have an undefined G-Center or an open G-Center like I do, surrendering is so key. I mean, that's, that's key to human design in general, if you have any undefined centers. Um, surrendering you know, to your authority, surrendering to people that love you and care about you and who do have the best interest for you, surrendering to the body and the body's needs and the body leading the way. So part of surrendering for me with this Open G Center in mind is surrendering to my strategy and authority 
of informing and initiating and my splenic intuition, but as well as letting people in, you know, letting people in, which is part of healing from abuse. You know, it took me many years, over 10 years to be able to realize that there is a lot of beautiful experiences and gifts that I have blocked myself from by pushing everyone away because I was so hurt and so damaged by a few individuals. And so when we think about the gifts of the Open G Center, I really do appreciate the gifts that I have. And I think I can see how they show up in my work when I facilitate groups um, through meaningful dialogue. I can see it when I'm showing up in one-on-one readings with my clients where I'm absorbing and really seeing, like on a vibrational level, seeing the identities and the life direction and the love languages of each individual and being able to guide them through my wisdom of seeing that in them, but also having experienced so much diversity in my own life. In the definitive book of human design, there's a quote that says, ultimately, there are no better guides in life than those with undefined G-centers. By letting go of their need for identity and love, they can step into anyone's shoes and offer loving, correct guidance. And I love that. That was a really nice affirmation for me to hear and for me to consciously now carry into my work moving forward. There's another great quote here that hopefully offers you hope. It says, Instead of feeling lost, people with undefined G-centers can enjoy what is being shown to them. They can enjoy the people and places they encounter and are free to take advantage of the guidance given by others. So if you have an undefined or open G-center, I'm sending you so much love in your deconditioning and unlearning journey and experience. I will likely record another episode whenever I feel like I have new insights and new reflections to share. But I hope in some way you have feel you have felt seen, understood, you feel less alone in your journey, and you are not lost. You actually aren't even though you feel that way. Trust me. Go out there experience a new physical place, whether it's a cafe, a library, go to an open house, go to a new city, take a drive somewhere, meet some new people, and see if you can feel inspired for a new life chapter for you if you are in the midst of feeling lost. My love to you, and I'm always here to support your expansive evolution.